You've reached Intricity 101. All right, we are live with Ed Thompson from Matillion, and we've got our Katie Kleiner on with us at Intricity. Ed, thanks for joining us here for Data Sharks. Go, Jared. Thank you. Yeah, Make we've. Okay. Uh, I've been excited for this uh, uh, for this interview because uh, Matillion is really just just kind of like a train going through the ETL market, and uh, and you know, and, and Ed, just for your awareness about just our audience here at Intricity One Hundred and One on the channel as well as on the LinkedIn, you know, it spans a really wide audience. I mean, we have people that are solution architects and we go all the way down to college students and you know it's somewhere between you know uh, 80 to 100,000 views uh, a month and so it's it's a really broad audience and so i always like to ask our guests you know to explain the problem uh, that their solution is is solving and believe it or not like sometimes solution architects forget that crumb trail about you know uh, about how to explain a problem. So even for them, it's helpful because then they can go, oh yeah, you know, that's how I should explain it to a business person. You know, so, so give us like, you know, give us a, what, what's the, what is it that your solution is doing? Uh, what's the problem it's solving? Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Jared. So uh, Matillion is, is a bit of software that's designed to make data useful. And uh, the way it does that is um, we saw you know, businesses have more and more data than they've ever had. Um, one stat that we that we pulled from uh, from our own customer base between March 2020 and March 2021, which at the time was the COVID era. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if we're allowed to mention that. Um, <laughs> between, between those between those two um, between those two date points, our customers data grew 2.5x. So the amount wow. of data wow. they were moving through our software grew 2.5x just in that one year. Um, so you've got this crazy growth in data, you've got this crazy growth in volume of data, and you've also got this crazy growth in the number of silos of data that exist in any business. Uh, and partly that's down to the fact, hey, it's really easy for someone in a, in a business, almost of any size, to start up a silo of data. You can go to a new SaaS platform, you can pop in your credit card details, or hopefully the company credit card details, and suddenly you've created this new silo of data. Mm -hmm. um, and before you know it, that's a silo of data on which the, uh, the, the company relies. Mm -hmm. So bringing together all of those silos of data in a central way has never been more important. Um, so you have the silos of data to bring the data together in a central way. The obvious choice really is uh, a data warehouse or a data lake. Um, but the hard bit really is getting the data into the data lake and then getting it to the point where it is useful. Mm -hmm. um, and that means having processes that transform that data from all of the source formats that it comes in. And you know, modern systems really nicely built. They, come with great models that have really clean metadata underneath them. And you look at the data that's coming out of those systems and, and it's quite easy to understand, but they're all still built by different people. So they all still comes in a variety of formats and you have to uh, do quite a lot of thinking and quite a lot of work to bring that uh, to something that's common. 
-hmm. and then quite a lot of work to apply the rules, the data rules and the business logic for your own organization on that data. And that's what we do in an ELT process. So we're pulling the data in from the silo, uh, we're loading it into the data warehouse, and then we're transforming it and applying uh, the rules uh, to give you a single clean, uh, what we probably describe as an analytic ready data store. And that's a, a data store which you can use to do straightforward analytics, ask and answer questions, uh, self-service analytics, build dashboards, build reports, or more commonly uh, uh, these days, and probably more excitingly, you need really clean, high-quality data models in order to feed downstream AI and ML um, uh, ML systems. Uh, so there's no no good uh, training a machine learning algorithm on poor quality data because you're right. just going to get poor quality learning and poor exactly. quality result. Um, so so you have to you have to put the work in up front. One of the big bugbears of people that employ very expensive data scientists, you employ your very expensive data scientist, and what do they spend most of their time doing? Uh, cleaning up. Yeah, data, data munging. Data, data munging. munging. Uh, yeah, yeah. When what, they, what you really want them to be doing is figuring out the next genius uh, ML algorithm that's going uh, to revolutionize your business. So um, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the core part of it. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's the EL and the T. Mm -hmm. uh, um, our main product is, we call it Matillion ETL. Uh, so we've got, uh, it's not an ETL product, it's an ELT product. Uh, we'll <laughs> get into the difference, I think, in a, in a, in a little bit. But um, when we launched it, everybody was Googling ETL. Because everybody thought they wanted to product, so that <laughs> that was the only big. reason it got. Uh, well, I, I think that was the only reason it all got called that. Yeah, I, you know, I, I like to explain it to people when we're we're talking about ETL. Is it is that the, the the logic for turning this raw feed of data into information has to live somebody or somewhere has to live somewhere. It can either live inside of somebody's head. Uh, it can live in a in a scripted query. Uh, or it can live uh, in, uh, in in a, a mechanism that is visual that that turns that into code for you, and that's one of the the, the aspects of you know Matillion that I've liked is that it has this ELT model, which we'll get into, um, but it's visual. You can uh, you, you've got widgets, and and those widgets mean something, and they turn it into code that gets pushed to the the appropriate uh, target. So. Yeah, Jared, uh, I've used your analogy of data as a factory. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, the video that you have around uh, data as plastic is, a, is probably a perfect example of that. But data arrives as a raw material and information emerges through that ELT process. And that's, mm -hmm. that's precisely what I think Ed is, Ed, you're alluding to. It's that today, and I've used the example of Parader, 80-20 uh, rules where you've got 80% of your time is spent on data munging where it should be spent on the analytics and maybe 20% right. is the data munging part. But the idea of having that raw material, that data coming in, in the traditional ETL world would have required you to set up all of these processing servers living outside of your core data transformation engine. And of course, ELT, as, as, as Ed, I'm, I'm sure you'll talk about, sort of moves that closer to where it really needs to be, which is where the data is. Yeah, definitely. It, 
And Ed, I, I noticed um, when I was looking at just looking at the founding dates of Matillion and your joining of Matillion, I was like, okay, Ed's like been there since the very get go, it seems. And was that was that a group of friends like getting together and going to each other's garages to do development <laughs> or, <laughs> or or was it a little more, you know, structured at the get go? So tell me about those early years. Yeah. Oh, well, I, give me a, give me a, a chance to put on my rose tinted spectacles, Jared, and, and go back. Uh, yeah. So February 2011. Um, so um, Matillion CEO is a gentleman called Matthew Scullion, uh, who I think uh, I think a few guys you, you will have met. Um, so it was uh, himself uh, and myself that were lucky enough to set up Matillion uh, from the start. Uh, we had worked together uh, previously at a uh, small consultancy firm, um, and that had kind of been where I'd kind of cut my teeth. We were an IBM consultancy. Mm -hmm. We built, uh, we worked with kind of sort of heavyweight IBM technology. WebSphere was kind of my speciality. I knew a bit of DB2 um, uh, and, and some of the kind of rational product suite around IBM. Um, and it was um, uh, our experience there kind of, first of all, it, it, it informed that we probably didn't want to go up and set up a consultancy firm because uh, <laughs> so you guys know well, Running a consultancy is 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 hard and uh, it it's a great place to learn a lot of stuff. But uh, we were kind of excited. It's like, well, let's try and build a service or a product company. Um, and then the other thing, we'd, we'd had a little bit of exposure. We had very little exposure to kind of the world of BI and data, but we we had a little bit of exposure to kind of one IBM product, which is called Cognos. It's like a very heavyweight mm -hmm. yep. um, uh, uh, um uh, a data team. analytics uh, analytics platform. Yep. Um, anyway, so we we set up um, we set up Matillion uh, uh, ETL and the, and the the business plan and the idea behind the business plan and the idea kind of behind the seed investment was that we would build a company uh, that would do business intelligence as a service and the idea was um, hey. This cloud thing's pretty cool. We mm -hmm. can stand up infrastructure pretty easy and pretty cheap. And um, business intelligence projects inside of organizations were at that time, and to be honest, still are massively expensive. Yeah. Um, so the idea was that we would um, build a system that allowed us to create um, like a turnkey data warehouse. So we'd go in with a data warehouse that was like, 90% designed, mm -hmm. and then we'd tailor it for the customer. And we would make that uh, so turnkey and so easy and so affordable that we'd be able to sell it to kind of small, medium enterprises in mm -hmm. the UK. And that's what we did. Um, so we built uh, some software to help you design and tailor a data warehouse. Uh, and we used off-the-shelf software to do kind of a, a visualization front end. So we used to be a software called Jaspersoft. And we also used uh, an ETL tool called Talent, uh, which uh, I know you guys are, are, are pretty familiar with. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of our stack. And um, we were uh, kind of neither, we neither failed nor were successful. So we, we, <laughs> built, up, we built up this company um, and we had um, uh, to about 30 or 40 
uh, customers, all of which were hard for over the course of about four or five years. And it was incredibly hard work because mm-hmm. small, small customers are no less demanding than large enterprises. Right. They still want uh, a highly tailored data warehouse and they want it to work really well. Um, and so we were essentially doing full data warehousing projects uh, for very for very little money mm-hmm. uh, and, a, and, a, and a service charge. So was it like an, okay, then, so it was like an annual fee type? It was an annual fee. We want, we knew we wanted a kind of an annuity model. Yep. Um, so there was like a setup fee, which barely covered anything. And then there was an annual <laughs> fee. And then the rest of it was just me and a, me and a small bunch of guys just working really hard. Hard, hard, um, hard, yeah. Try to, try, to, try to build and run all these data warehouses. Um, and um, so... What we realized, and you only see this in hindsight, right? When we when we were doing it, we just thought this is how hard it is to run a business. But 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 looking back, um, uh, so so what we realized after about sort of three or four years of doing that, we're like okay, this is not going to turn into an exciting business unless we change the model quite a bit. And um, if you look to what we were doing, most of the time, most of the effort was in uh, ETL. So we were we were spending our time building ETL processes, testing them, deploying them, running them, upgrading them, and iterating them uh, for, for customers. And, and, you know, I think, you know, the customers essentially, they got as much change in their ETL process as they wanted included in the fee. So sure. they could just make up what they wanted on the, on the morning and we go, okay, yeah, we'll build that in. <laughs> um, so it was, it was tough. So anyway, but what we realized was that um, the ETL uh, software um, was the thing that was holding us down. It was holding us down partially at development time, and it was also holding us down at runtime because it mm-hmm. simply wasn't able to scale and move data fast enough. And even small companies had massive quantities of data, um, and, and we were just starting to see even quite small companies deploy lots of IoT devices, and those IoT mm-hmm. devices were pumping out large quantities of data. We were trying to handle that, and the whole the kind of system and, uh, was running out of steam. So we needed something more scalable, and that's when but, the cognition. Explain, explain to some of the you know college student types, the the pipe was the, the ETL tool was actually transforming the data in process, right? Yeah, so that's the way a traditional ETL tool works. So it um, it pulls the data uh, it pulls the data from the source, it transforms it in flight, and it pushes the data to the target. And that sounds great, but the problem is scaling that middle bit. So that middle bit that transforms um, is the bottleneck. um, And it's possible to scale it, but it's it's expensive and complex to scale it. Um, And at that time, there wasn't great technology to kind of sit in that place. We spent a lot of time looking at things like Apache Hadoop, because that really was kind of the first turn of the handle, like, okay, we've got complex data operations that we need to parallelize and scale out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Apache Hadoop, uh, you know, it's kind of been and gone now, but it, it, <laughs> it didn't really, it didn't really, uh, it, it did scale, but it, it was it was very, very complicated to build and set up and to manage. Um, and, and so it, for a small company, it would have been a big struggle to deploy that with all of the other complexity that we'd built up by having uh, all these kind of different customers. Mm-hmm. Um, so the cognition then was, okay. 
So um, what year are we at, right, roughly? So we're around 2014 here. We're around okay. 20, 2014. So we're about three or four years into the company. And um, we, we, we kind of realized, and we'd start, in some of the ETLs we'd started to build, what we'd started to do was we were, we'd started to load data directly from source into the data warehouse. And the data warehouse that we were using at that time was called, I forgot the name of it. <laughs> it was kind of a it was a columnar database. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of a niche product, which is the reason I've kind of uh, it's kind of my mind's gone blank. But um, but it circa was, 2014, it was a, I would think Sybase IQ perhaps or something similar to that. No, it wasn't Sybase. No? It was like a okay. It was like a precursor. It'll come to me before the end of the uh, before the end of the session. I'll just blurt it <laughs> That's out. how memory queries work. As yeah, well. yeah. Um. um so it was a precursor to Redshift, it was, okay. but it was like an on-prem thing that we hosted and built. Um, uh, so yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a columnar data warehouse, but we'd already started to realize that for some kind of operations, the best thing to do was to write queries against the database. So you'd move the data into the database, and then we'd write some SQL queries just right, to kind right. of finish, finish off the data transformation. Um, and um, what we realized that was, hey, actually, for, for almost everything that we're doing, the data warehouse can handle all of it. Right. That was at the same time as AWS, which were already, everything's getting deployed into AWS, but they released this new product called Redshift. Mm-hmm. And we were busy trying to figure out if Redshift was going to work better for us. Uh, and I don't know if you guys ever experienced the first iteration of Redshift. Yes. Um, it was slow. Yeah. <laughs> so we were kind of surprised. We got this old data warehouse that we've been using for years. A brand new thing came along, and it was slower. And we're like, oh, okay. Well, we'll give, us, we'll give that another six months and see where they get to. And, of course, they iterated on Redshift. Redshift got, uh, got a lot better. Um, so what we decided to do, like, hey, we, the only way we're going to make this a successful business is if we, if, we, if we can compress the amount of time and effort that we're spending on ETL, because it has to get a lot shorter. Now, this um, was still in, in the mindset of servicing these clients or was it make, or make yeah it's make our bi business work yeah lower um, lower cost of of serving low, those customers cost, of serving, cost and serving. time I yeah it. i yeah. love it that okay. was the thought we were this was we're not we're not we're not realized at this point that we made <laughs> lots of it so we so we set about building from scratch um uh, an uh, an ETL tool that focused on the ELT and pushed down all the data transformations. And we had this small team of guys at this point, so six, seven people, and they were all talent engineers. So they understood talent, they understood yeah. the workflow, they understood that, so that it was component driven, they knew how mm-hmm. to configure it. And we wanted to make something that they would very easily iterate to. So it, it was kind of, we need we need it to look like talent, and yeah. we, uh, um, but we need it to be ELT, yeah. um, and that was kind of what we sat down and and tried to build. You know, three or four developers, and we just we just went for it. And the and idea still, is, it, and we would still with the plan of just servicing these customers, just not like just yeah, just servicing these customers, and and the and the, the customers for it would be the six or seven guys internal, yeah, yeah. Um, internal at Matillion. Um, and so 2014, I think we started summer 2014, um, and we had something that we could use internally by February 20, February 2015, so the beginning of 2015, um, we, we started using it internally. 
And what we didn't realize at the time is that um, one thing that startups, successful startups do <laughs> is that they, they, they create a very tight loop between their customer and themselves. So they can get a really tight feedback loop um, in the early days of the product so they can figure out what works and what doesn't work very right, easily. Right, right. And we had accidentally created this by having <laughs> four developers and six data engineers sat in the same room and, and, and the developers would push something out and the data engineers would walk across the room and say, I don't like this, that's in the yeah, wrong place yeah. and, uh, and, and this doesn't work properly, but the, but the other stuff's good. Um, and they carried on like that for a few months. And, and, and I think at that point we'd start to realize, hey, this is useful for us. Maybe it's useful for somebody else. Um, so, now, did you have a GUI for it and everything, or was so it, it was? But, yeah, it was kind of. Uh, yeah, I, it, this may just be me, but the way I think about software is GUI first. And a lot of my engineers, they like start. Oh, I build a model and a data yeah, model. Yeah, yeah. I've got the GUI. <laughs> What's going to look like? And then I then yeah, I can so figure out the rest of that. Yeah. Um, so I think that might might have just been me, but um, yeah, it was it was very kind of. GUI led, uh, and, th and that came from that. It needs it would it needs to look like Talon. It needs to be easy to transition to for yeah. a, for a, an engineer that's used to using Talon. Yeah. Um. So um. Yeah. So the, 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 then the kind of the the, the flash of uh, like everywhere everything kind of joined together was um, AWS. Um, had just launched, had this new idea called Marketplace. So they wanted mm -hmm. to build um, like an app store for business mm -hmm. apps on AWS. And they were asking anyone that would listen, uh, hey, do you fancy <laughs> deploying your app on AWS? So we thought, hey, what's the worst that could happen? We'll package this up. And there was like a load of incentives and stuff if you deployed your app on AWS. And one of the incentives was you get to go for like half price out to Vegas to reinvent and they'll give you a booth. You're like, oh, that sounds pretty, that sounds like a fun thing to do. Um, <laughs> so um, um, yeah, so we packaged up the software, we put it on the marketplace. And then in, uh, that year reinvent was at a weird time. It was like early, it was like August, September, August, September okay. time. Yeah, they're usually like November. Uh, yeah, and we went out with like four guys and a homemade like a banner that we'd make, that we'd put in hand luggage uh, that we'd had made. <laughs> I think the budget, because at this point our seed investor, we're still a seed round company at this point. And our seed investors had had kind of uh, topped up <laughs> the pot a little bit, <laughs> and they were starting to get a little bit itchy. It's like yeah. you know, uh, is this is this really going to work? And um, um, and and we wanted we wanted to. Um, uh, you know, and, and obviously the, the the new product thing was a bit of a a bit of a, a a pivot and a bit of a bet. And of course, we didn't make out at the time that it was that much of a pivot. We were just like, oh, don't worry about it. It's just it's core it's business. Small, but we're just yeah, yeah. Just this other idea that we want to try out. Um. Uh. And anyway, so we went. So we 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 put it on the marketplace. And shortly before we went out to reinvent, um, the way that the marketplace worked back then was you just they gave you really basic telemetry. It was like, you've got a customer, this is their identifier, and um, they are, they're in a, you know, they're in, they're in this geo. Okay. Uh, and that was basically it. They've, and they've used this much of your product and you're gonna get paid. Like, I think we, we charged $1.37 an hour for the product to start right. with. 
Um, and so we, and so this customer that. pings up, and they're like, and it's like this customer is in Australia, handy if you're in the UK. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And and they're paying one dollar thirty seven an hour, and it was about two months before we kind of figured out just through like sleuthing and looking at web logs who this customer was and eventually got in touch with them and it was price waterhouse coopers australia nice and they were like oh yeah we needed an elt tool and we could tell that yours had been built by data engineers so we just used that <laughs> and it's great <laughs> and we were like oh, good feedback. um and they're still a customer today they're still a customer That's today awesome. That's so awesome. Um, yeah, um, so they just picked up this brand new product, and they were—they were—I don't think they realized they were customer number one. We we certainly didn't tell them. And then we went to reinvent, and um, yeah, we were swamped. I mean, it was—it was a—it was, was a heady time because we just like the—you know—the—the—the the, the expo floor opens, and we're in this like we were in a terrible booth. We were just like in a regular booth in a regular yeah. corner of the expo, and. Um, yeah, just a million people turned up. And and because really? the product is quite visual, mm -hmm. it was just like, I was just banging out demo after demo after demo after demo for three days. I was absolutely exhausted. <laughs> um, but yeah, everything else, everything else. Not, just, just not what you expected from, from a Vegas trip. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was all of the other things I expected from a Vegas trip. Were pretty much in there, <laughs> but there was a lot of time on the expo floor doing demos. So, That's great. Um, so, so yeah. was that kind of a... a was it just obvious at that point that we're changing the, the trajectory of the company? Um, it, it, yeah, it became obvious pretty quickly. And then um, uh, you could see from the rate at which it was being picked up on the marketplace that... Was um, it right from that event or was it prior to it, that? It, it, was, it was really right from that event. It was... It was it was very little up until that event and then it was it was right from that event and, and at that point it was kind of okay we need to figure out how to market it properly we need to figure out how to support it properly um it was all from there it was figuring out how how you make the business was the support uh, difficult just because you had this smaller team and then all of a sudden you've got this lurch uh yeah I, it was um I guess when it's a small team, um, the support is is tricky, but you essentially have you have to put your best people right there on the front line. Yeah, you've got developers um, doing support essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you've got developers. We we quickly started realizing that we some of the some of the guys that were were part of the BI business were very easy to transfer into solution architect roles because these guys have been like using the software for yeah. longer than anyone and they've been building data warehouses for three or four years so they knew that they knew what the customer was trying to achieve and they knew the software so they could very easily transition into being solution architects and a lot of them uh, a lot of them are still uh, almost all of them i think are still with Matillion in fairly mm -hmm. senior roles that have at least at some time been been solution architects and, and also you get all the product feedback. So I remember support being hard. To be honest with you, I don't think it was harder yeah. than the support that we'd been doing on the BI business because that was really hard. <laughs> I, I can imagine um, that. Uh, that certainly is true. I used to get up, I used to get up at six o'clock every morning uh, because all the all these BI processes would run overnight. And they were all run on processes that I had built 
uh, and I'm not all the world's greatest software engineer. I'm, I'm be happy, very happy to admit that. <laughs> so very often I would get up in the morning and say, hey, how many of my 40 customers' BI processes have run? None of them. OK, right. So oh. I need to sort that out before they, they get into work <laughs> yeah, at 8 o'clock in the morning. Before they get to work. So got that, they get now, all their reports. How did you transition that? Because here you had all these customers that were using you guys for the services of BI. Yeah, and now like, hey guys, we're going to become a product company. We're not going to be doing. I mean, what, are you still doing that? Or what did you? We're do? still doing it. We're still with the the, no the BI the BI business. We still have a handful of customers running on our BI business and a, a small team that just look after wow. that. Um, wow, yeah, it's still there. Hopefully, we never, all of Matillion now. Yeah, and it became a it became a Matillion. It was came a, came a kind of values of the company kind of thing. So you know, one of our values is customer is customer obsession, and uh, so. Uh, whether it's like, you know, we're not hard-headed enough or not, but it's like these guys were, were, were very, very hard-won customers at the time, uh, and they've continued to be customers. They've continued to pay revenue, so we'll continue to support them as long as they, uh, as long as they want to. So we're not, we've never, uh, up until this point, we've never kind of sunset that that product or anything. Yeah, one one thing that is interesting about that is is it. It almost provides um, it provides your team like with real use cases, um, and you're so connected to the product. But it's yeah. like real use cases. It's not yeah. like a lot of times. Uh, that, feel that's like part that, of that's... the reason we keep it. It's super yeah. valuable. Um, so one of the things that we do, for example, is the BI team always get early versions of Matillion ETL. So they act mm. as a fantastic kind of canary in the coal mine when we put out a new version of the software. Right. BI team uh, pick it up, and uh, they get it for a couple of weeks, and then and then it goes into general release, as well as all the other testing we do, of course. But of course. Um, yeah, it's just an extra kind of stage in the process that gives us a, a degree of confidence. Yeah, I really. I like think that. that's an interesting point because a lot of times one of the challenges with being a pure software vendor, not being a practitioner, is that you lose sight of sort of you, you have a good sight of yes, you're moving data, but you don't necessarily see how the adoption of that software happens. You only see whether people are using it or not using it. So being practitioners is a big value proposition. I think it gives you a lot of a lot of insight. Ed, you touched on something else that I think is critically important. And, and sometimes as Intricity, we we are focused on educating. Certainly the Intricity 101 channel is focused on, on educating. The idea and the difference between a data lake and that final layer, sometimes referred to as the data warehouse or the, the conformed layer, its importance is sometimes um, difficult to explain. How, how do you explain it to to customers? Yeah, so I always, I guess I, I quite often start by describing the fact that the lines are quite blurred, actually. Um, and, and there's kind of convergence going on between data, data warehouses and data lakes. And that's been going on ever since... So, you know, Redshift started off, we, we started off, Matillion was, Matillion's first product was Matillion ETL for Redshift. I know we want to get into kind of the snowflake uh, and we and we definitely will, but Matillion ETL for Redshift um, and, and Redshift was kind of the biggest gig in town. It was, I think at the for, for about two years, it was AWS's fastest growing, growing product. product. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and that was, and it was quite expensive. It was uh, a lot of the AWS stack at that time was, 
uh, you know, EC2 was seen as quite cheap. S3 was seen as quite cheap. There was a lot of uh, downward pressure on prices, but uh, Redshift came along and was quite expensive and grew like like crazy. Um, so Redshift, um, uh, so Redshift, and then this, this conversion started to happen. So there was Redshift and then uh, the data lake product that AWS released later was um, Athena, Athena. Um, which was, uh, I can't remember the name of the Apache product, but it was an Apache product that was, um, uh, that, that they'd taken and, and, and fettled basically. And then that became part of the kind of glue ecosystem. Um, but, but what they did um, probably uh, 2016, 2017 was they essentially blended data from Athena and Redshift. So you can see Athena data and Redshift and, yeah. and vice versa. And that's really where the lake met the warehouse. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, that kind of that kind of intersection, the technology has gradually be, been improved. So it starts to become less and less relevant. It's like, is my data in the lake or is my data in the warehouse? Yeah. Do you care? Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, 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 and as you've gone on with, with Snowflake, that's got even more blood like yeah, got exactly. even more blood um so when you get down to dealing with very large quantities of data it, it does start to make sense to still understand how that underlying technology is working particularly because you know if you've got vast quantities of IO, iot data it probably doesn't make sense to load that data into snowflake you want to put that into some kind of cheap storage in the lake and then maybe ingest and aggregate it down to a smaller data set uh, depending on what you want to see inside kind of first class redshift uh, first class snowflake tables so so you you you, you do see you, you do see our data architects wanting to think about that sort of thing a lot of people can get away with um, really almost not thinking about that and I, th- I expect where we'll get to in the next few years is uh, Snowflake, uh, others like Databricks, they will really just start to take care of that for you. Uh, mm-hmm. If you look at Databricks as Delta Lake product, mm-hmm. it's like we've built a data warehouse on a data lake. Okay, how do I need to consider where my data is actually at any point? Don't worry about it, we'll take care right. of it. And I yeah, think that's yeah. where we're going. Um, so. Uh, yeah, we start to talk about lake house, <laughs> which is the, <laughs> the kind of conversion just term. To, yeah, just, to, um, just to confuse people a little bit more. Yeah, because it's not it's not confusing <laughs> enough. But ultimately, um, the the things that always amaze me as constant. So in all the changing of the technology, and you know the rise of Redshift, and then the rise of Snowflake and Databricks, and and all the others in the ecosystem. There's a few things that remain constant, and we see customers are trying to do. They're trying to do ETL. They love SQL. Uh, people still build in SQL, um, and um, they still um, like to build data warehouses and data vaults. So they'll do Kimball-style data warehouses with facts mm-hmm. and dimensions. And like, well, that was, they were invented in the 70s, and they're still good. Those concepts are still good. Right. Uh, and and uh, perhaps some of the larger enterprises, they will build, will build data vaults, which I find, personally, I find them too heavyweight. But uh, once you get into a big enterprise, you start to realize where, where and why they make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, 
to to reach out to uh, Jared's kind of uh, uh, you know student data scientists uh, yeah. that, are, that are just coming into uh, this really exciting uh, technology market. Uh, you know the things that that will you know stand you in good stead all the way through. Really understand SQL. Uh, understand the nuts and bolts of what goes into a data warehouse, what a fact, what a dimension is, and how you can fit those together and how you can use them to represent data. And if you're really into it, it's worth understanding uh, how to put together a data vault. So that's, uh, uh, that's, that's right. really exciting. One, one of the questions <clears throat> that I wanted to ask you is about that transition uh, when Snowflake sort of came in, you know, it's, and it's funny, you can almost look at the market, you know, before Snowflake and after Snowflake, because it was <laughs> a pretty big disruption. It was like, you know, BC and then AD, you know, it's like there's this huge, huge uh, data market disruption um, where, you know, it forced, I would say, a lot of the cloud vendors to reassess how they were running queries and how their architectures were being laid out. Um, and, and, you know, I would say just just hearing the backstory of where you guys came from, you were in a really good position to, to I mean, it's all starting to kind of mesh together now, kind of where you guys were. Was it just a total natural thing and, you know, uh, did it just all fall in place? Or, you know, was there a lot of rework you guys had to do to, to support Snowflake? <laughs> so... I'd like to say that we were geniuses and we just saw it from the very start. <laughs> that would be that would be disingenuous. Also, it, I could have just packed it in and just invested all my money in Snowflake. And yeah, exactly. We, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't have had to all do all this annoying software writing yeah. stuff, right? <laughs> but but no, 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 it's no. It's still not too late, perhaps, to do that. Well, well, perhaps not. Perhaps not. <laughs> so Snowflake came along. I mean, we we were we were fairly early, so we we started to hunt around. Um, for other data platforms that you could push data down to. And I think the thinking at the time, there were two kind of players out there that we were interested in. So one was Google BigQuery. Mm -hmm. And then there was this little upstart, which uh, people were starting to talk about called Snowflake. Um, and... And this goes to show that we weren't as smart as we thought we were. So we decided we'll do BigQuery first. Mm -hmm. um, and so what that meant was that we'd built Matillion ETL for Redshift. That was the name of the product because what does the name it? It was a very sure. useful name because it was like, this is exactly what it does. Right. Um, it was also very useful at that Vegas uh, booth because it was like for Redshift. So if anybody had Redshift, Come talk to us. Yeah, you don't know what Redshift to. is. <laughs> you wasted that time. Go away. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, so so we wanted so we wanted to build Miltillion ETL for something else because we saw people asking us about other data warehouse platforms, and we decided that BigQuery was the way to go for some reason, probably not a particularly scientific reason. But what that <laughs> meant was is we had to build the abstractions into the product. So. Uh, the product that had been built around Redshift previously, you had to kind of extract all of the Redshift bits uh, yeah, and yeah. kind of put them in a box, and then you had to create an equivalent box for uh, for, for for GCP. Yeah. Uh, and what that meant, of course, was you could then iterate very quickly to Snowflake, and and we did. 
um, we did exactly that. So I think in so did you take that the, sort of the front end componentry and sort of detach it so that you could just say whatever SQL we have to write, yeah. this is going to separate the SQL syntax from the right. tools. So this way right. you can you could plug in whatever SQL is appropriate. Exactly that. So one of the kind of core bits of secret sauce in Matillion is the SQL generation. So you have. Uh, and it, it's not a million miles away, I guess, from your sort of central metadata language that you have in yeah, Bladebridge, yeah. but it's, it's uh, um, you know, SQL, uh, SQL, uh, SQL components that you've seen as a kind of a, diag a diagram that you lay out that gets transformed into uh, a complex a SQL statement. Uh, and then that SQL statement is optimized for Redshift, BigQuery, Snowflake, Synapse. Databricks right. Um, uh, right now, uh, but yeah, Snowflake, Snowflake, and, and BigQuery came out. We we brought those products to market probably within uh, three or four months of it, uh, uh, months of each other. Uh, and Snowflake, uh, they both got off to a pretty good start, but Snowflake mm -hmm. started to started to go, really explode, go crazy yeah. at, at exactly the same time as Snowflake. And being in a little bit earlier meant we got a higher attach rate to yeah. Snowflake. Um, and um, uh, it meant that we could we could partner with them more closely. Um, and having separate products, so it would be Matillion ETL4, and then essentially have three separate products off of the one code base. Um, but having separate products allowed us to um, go in and extract some of the C some of the kind of U USP of that underlying data warehouse. And in Snowflake's case, there was quite a lot of USP. Um, they went to market with a really strong semi-structured data handling, which they still have actually, mm -hmm. it's still, still uh, probably yeah. best in the business at dealing with semi-structured data. And it was at the time, everyone was starting to move to, I want everything in JSON. I want to pull mm -hmm. data from mm -hmm. NoSQL databases like Mongo and Cassandra. So everything was starting to come in as these JSON blobs and Snowflake handles that beautifully. And we were able to build tooling to make that even easier because it's actually still quite complicated to write yeah. SQL over NoSQL. Dot, dot notation, um, yeah. Yeah, all that dot notation stuff. So if you can if you can make something more visual and guided for the customer, that's a real benefit. And then the other big USP, of course, with Snowflake has always been the separation of storage and compute. Um, so it allowed us to do things like build, we can build an, um, uh, a data pipeline where you essentially turn on the Snowflake compute or you turn up the Snowflake compute so there's more of it, mm -hmm. run your data pipeline at maximum speed and then turn it down at the end. And then, uh, you know, that that's great for the customer because they're using what they need. But actually, it's also great for Snowflake because we were pushing everything down and uh, forcing consumption in Snowflake. Right, and that's right. still why um, we are... Uh, you know, you might have seen recently announced as Snowflake's number one partner mm -hmm. uh, uh, for data integration tools this year. So, um, awesome. uh, congratulations uh, on that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. It's, uh, it does feel like a, a real achievement that it is. It is those guys for so long. And and I think again, we Jared and I often have uh, private conversations in terms of the, the where the marketplace is going and uh, where migrations are going, uh, especially the world of Hadoop, and you touched on, on Hadoop a little bit. Um, obviously, 
uh, had held a lot of promise, but did not necessarily deliver for uh, typical uh, business uh, use cases. And the fact that Snowflake stores data in, you know, blob storage, you don't pay the penalty of, you know, Athena or Presto, I think, is the is the open source tool that Athena is built on. And, and so this future of what's the right technology, um, you know, people are building things with things that are, are recommended, whether it's through their system integrators or maybe it's the software vendors. The beauty of ELT and what Matillion has done is allow those independent engines to do all of the heavy lifting. And so you can act as the engine that does the orchestration, it does the best practice SQL generation, but you leave all of that heavy lift and all of that processing where it best belongs, which is the, you know, an MPP database like Snowflake or Redshift or whatever it might be in the future. Now, now, Ed, you and I, you know, we've been on some calls with the Bladebridge team and I, and I, I, I took notice of something Simon Eligalashvili said, um, uh, he said on one of the calls, and by the way, Simon is slated uh, later to do a Data Shark episode as well. But, but I remember <clears throat> um, him saying that Matillion metadata is exceptionally clean, and um, and that's basically you know the configuration backend of Matillion, uh, sort of the, the the importable code to, to generate Matillion, and. Um, you know, coming from Simon, that really means something because he has actually touched pretty much every ETL tool at this point. And so, um, you know, it, so I'm curious how uh, you approached the design of Matillion to nail down the design like that. Was it just a result of the, you know, this client interaction and being able to do it with the client or just the frustration of having to maintain that and you wanted to make, you know, clean it, you know, or was it just hey another lucky another lucky? <laughs> How win. did you simplify complexity yeah, uh, yeah. when it comes to metadata? Or you know, was there a process that you were using or something like that? Because it, it is very clean, uh, particularly compared to a lot of ETL tools. I think a lot of ETL tools they think hey nobody's going to see this information. It's not part of our GUI, um, and so we don't you know just 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 park it and make it. You can make it whatever you want, but then it just becomes this gobbledygook. Um, you know, so I'm curious. I am curious about this part. It, it's a great question. Uh, do you know what? I think I'm probably as curious as you are, Jared. Because it's not. <laughs> but you only know because I, I love it. Because it's because because I mean. So Simon. I mean, Simon's fantastic. Simon comes across his breadth of knowledge on ETL tools is amazing. Um, so you're absolutely right to have him say, "Hey." This looks clean, you know. This metadata is really clean. I really like it. It's really, it's really <laughs> flattering. Um, but of course, um, we we certainly didn't spend a lot of time looking at other ETL tools metadata. And he's he's in the unique position where he's doing that kind of day in day out. So we 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 didn't know. I I didn't know it was clean, right? Really, um, I had a kind of inkling. I uh, I certainly seen Talon's metadata model. Um, but yeah, we didn't really know it was it was clean um, comparatively compared to everything else. I certainly haven't looked at Informatica. I haven't looked. Yeah, at, um, I mean, have, I, I almost think it is because you had to maintain these clients. I, I suspect know? it was. I suspect. Um, I, I think probably the credit goes to some of the engineers that worked on the product in the early days. Uh, so, so not to me. Um, but um, I think uh, it, it came from a philosophy of. Um, uh, just keeping it simple, uh, and I guess um, it was a little bit 
um, second comers advantage. So, you know, to yeah, defend yeah. Uh, some of the kind of uh, sort of first wave ETL tools like Talons and Informatica, uh, they kind of had to figure out what the model should be yeah, as you went along. Yeah. 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 But the, the kind of the second time around, you can think, okay, um, we, we, we understand, you know, what, what, what can we do to clean and improve kind of what's gone before? And that's why I wonder what, if that's where we kind of ended up uh, uh, ended up with Matillion to keep to keep the the internal model uh, uh, really clean, and I guess also um, it helps that the technology had moved on. So you know, at the time, I imagine that uh, uh, some of our competitors were building their tools. Uh, XML was Duriga, so everything got built in XML, and uh, it's not really very nice to iterate on or work with <laughs> whereas you know Matillion is all based on JSON so it's it, yeah. it, you know and, and hey maybe in five years time that'll be everything will be based on YAML or something like that yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. everybody will everybody will have, everybody will have moved on and it suddenly won't be considered clean <laughs> uh, but yeah I think I think it's that I think it's the um, it's the design of the model uh, uh, and, 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 and being able to kind of uh, Perhaps have a slightly younger code base uh, yeah, and, yeah. and being the second comer, second comer to that. But yeah, so, I don't really have a definite. It, it, did we think about it that much? Probably not. <laughs> it, it was probably it was driven by what we needed to build at the time. Yeah, right. So we didn't. It was probably simpler and easier to make it simpler and easier than it was to complexify yeah, it. And so I, it I might think, be just a natural progression. I also wonder if it's the the GUI first approach. You know, you know what you want, you know, you know, you know, you know what you're looking for. It's not just a, a whole bunch of complexity, you know, uh, built, you know, kind of like how Arcady, you know, how we build data warehouses. It's you know, majority of cases, it's top down, get the requirements first and then build, Yeah. you know, having the, that's not how the rest of the world, unfortunately does I, it. I but, know, the, I but that, I was thinking about that point in, in specifically, because if you think about a properly designed data model, it is elegant. It's simple. It it's not yeah. noisy. It's you know an entire organization represented in you know handful right. of tables, versus you know just doing a data dump from SAP or Salesforce yeah, yeah. or something of that nature. Yeah. So a, a vast majority you know of ELT and ETL you know it's for analytic use cases, but but there are edge cases things like you know data quality, master data management, point to point. You know. Uh, are those markets ever? Do you ever see Matillion kind of going after the, the more edge casey type of scenarios? Um, yeah, I, I think there's, I think there's kind of an ecosystem that revolves around the core movement of data, as you, as you quite rightly point out, um, and, and those always become decisions about. You, you kind of have to look at the market. Uh, so if you look at say um, data catalog tools, is is somewhere yeah. where. Matillion wants to play nice because there are a few uh, fairly established data catalog players mm -hmm. in the market um, and customers essentially come to us and say, hey, I'm using one of these guys. Uh, can, you, uh, can you make your metadata available to the data catalog? And so we've, uh, we've done a lot of work this year on, on kind of making that a lot easier, uh, integrating with some of, these, uh, some of these data catalog tools and providing interfaces for uh, for more of them, um, but it, it, yeah, it's all kind of case by case basis as as to um, I think you know 
you'll definitely see Matillionic uh, uh, wanting to expand its footprint around mm. the core uh, the core ETL process. Um, we, we see uh, opportunities uh, in uh, the design of the data warehouse. Mm. Uh, we see opportunities uh, 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 kind of the hot the hot topic in town these days tends to be uh, data ops. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, there's some really interesting and gnarly problems around, you know, how do you uh, statelessly deploy your data environment when your data is stateful? Uh, that's kind of the core. It's like if you can if you can get your head around that, <laughs> then then <laughs> uh, then you can kind of solve this sort of. Uh, uh, you know, magic problem of of, 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 of data ops and, and being able to uh, build a CI/CD pipeline around mm-hmm. data processes. Um, and I think there's some there's some there's some movement in that market. There's like it's a new area uh, that, that that's kind of been carved out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's some there's some really interesting opportunities there. Yeah. We spoke to the CEO of Prefect uh, a while back. Uh, oh yeah, and, yeah. And there's a lot of interesting synergy in terms of how we've come to Prefect and and what are the opportunities there. Uh, but DevOps and data ops and sort of those two coming together have been a big a big part of what we're we're looking at because one of the challenges is managing the schema. And how do you manage and promote schema and schema changes in a, in a governed world? The other, of course, is what Matillion generates, which is clean SQL code that ultimately gets executed against these environments. And what's the, what's the right life cycle of sort of managing those assets? And then the exactly. last mile is the stuff we've been doing in the data modeling world, which is, you know, we talked about f- facts and dimensions. So type two dimensions or type N dimensions, and how do we manage the, the, the change that comes full circle into Snowflake, where we've got this ability to do zero copy cloning and some other things that are fairly unique to the platform, where we're copying metadata instead of data. And so lots of interesting things happening in that space. And, and I think that's an exciting area to, to focus on for sure. So totally. we've got, we got about five minutes left, and I want to be sure that you get a chance to kind of uh, speak to how a customer can find you guys, you know, what's the, um, you know, is is it just a matter of going to matillion.com or is it, you know, do they go to the marketplaces? How, how are people adopting and, and whatnot? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find us on uh, AWS, GCP, and Azure's marketplace. Your best bet is uh, to start at matillion.com. Uh, if you start at matillion.com, anyone can sign up uh, into our hub um, and they can download a... Um, free trial for 14 days of Matillion ETL. Uh, all you need is, a, is an AWS account uh, and uh, the, the software will, uh, the hub will guide you through the process of getting the software stood up in that AWS account. Uh, and then once you're in there, you, you, can, uh, uh, you can start building ETL processes as, uh, uh, either with Snowflake or Redshift or mm-hmm. uh, GCP, however you want to. Is it all done by the it. hour? Is that how, it, how the... Everything, yeah. So, I mean, the, so the, 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 you shouldn't be paying anything for 14 days. After that, uh, I think, our, our, I think our, our smaller instance type is uh, $1.79 an hour. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's quite quite cheap and easy to get started with Matillion. And the uh, nice thing about it, of course, is you're only paying while the product is running and moving data. Uh, and you can turn it off, you stop paying. And uh, that kind of 
consumption model, I think, is uh, uh, has, has been key for kind of the sort of the current generation of products, be it Matillion, Snowflake, Redshift. Every, everything is uh, uh, very much ish, ish, uh, around that sort of consumption model. Now. And and does it typically go? You know, people will kind of test it out. And then you know, sort of reach out to the sales teams and say, okay, we want to do sort of a, a, a more enterprisey looking deal, or, or do those deals typically go straight to the sales reps? Um, so this is um, something that's gradually changed uh, as Matillion has has grown. We've gradually edged more and more towards the enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so what we see nowadays is is. Uh, kind of larger consumption-driven enterprise deals going through. Mm-hmm. There are still an awful lot of customers that simply start with us, do a trial, and then yeah. and then and then roll on from that trial uh, and and grow. But uh, uh, I think I can share uh, some of the core internal stats of the company. I'll probably get these wrong. My CEO will shoot shoot me. But uh, <laughs> uh, I think we have uh, about 130 net dollar retention so uh, right. that kind of gives you an indication of year on year how much customers uh, grow so uh, generally customers customers grow um, uh, and uh, yeah I can't remember what the other figure I was going to quote on but, but the, the, <laughs> yeah I, I think we talked about it before before we went live I, I think during the the COVID period uh, you know sort of an increase I think you mentioned two and a half times increase in, in data consumption is quite incredible yeah, yeah, and I think that that's that's very much um, I, I actually Matillion doesn't charge our customers based on the amount of data that they move. Right. It's, it's it's very much j- just charged around the cost of running the software right now. So you can run very small workloads or very large workloads for a similar cost. Um, generally, customers scale because they they start to build dev test and production environments, and then. Uh, they split off projects and go and, and go and run extra instances of the software elsewhere, um, and, and that's kind of how we see that how we see the growth in a in a, in a customer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but for the uh, underlying data warehouse platforms, so particularly Snowflake and Databricks, that uh, that growth in data that's gonna that's gonna drive those guys to to even greater heights, I think, right, than, right. Uh, than their current cap. Yeah. Well, Ed, thank you very much for uh, for, and I know it's a little late there because you know you're you're joining in from England, so <clears throat> so I appreciate it's, you staying. It's late. six o'clock. It's not that. It's uh, not too bad. You've just gotten used to. Uh, There's know, still sun outside the window. <laughs> yeah. You just got used yeah. to the the late the late uh, you know U.S. meetings. So, but I do appreciate you jumping on with us. And uh, if, if folks, if you're interested in, in looking more at Matillion, go on, go and take a look at Matillion.com and and um, uh, if you'd like to uh, to connect with us about it as well, we'd be happy to to chat with you more. Um, again, thanks again, Ed. Thanks, Arcady, for uh, for joining. Pleasure, absolutely. Right. Thank you, Ed. Right. Eric. We'll catch you all later. All right, bye. All right, bye, 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 bye. Thanks for catching Intricity 101. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And if you've got some stars to give, give us a solid five, and we'll catch you on the next podcast.